Hi, I'm Jim the DM. And I'm Jasmine, the voice of Gashburz, Tiefling Barbarian. And today, these misadventurers are becoming... Misadventurers! As I'm guessing most of you realise, this podcast is very heavily based on folklore. We're going to be doing something a little bit different today, because, uh, and well, we're going to be hopefully doing this at least once per arc, mm. um, where we sit down, or at least Jim sits down with one of us, and today it's me, because Ella and Emily have lots of deadlines, we're praying for you, um, and we're going to talk about some of the background of the folklore that's been showing up uh, in the campaign so far. So, Jim, what are we going to be looking at today? So we've got two cool kids that we're going to be having a bit of a look at today. Um, the first is King Lud, who, if you remember, when our adventurers first reached London, they came through Lud's Gate. Um, the second guy is Bran, who, if you'll remember, was the guy who had a giant skull that yeah. got nicked. We're very familiar with the skull of Bran. We did, in fact, rescue it in return. Glorious saviours of Albion. That's us. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think there's so much that we've seen in the mm. podcast so far in terms of folklore. Uh, there's, just from like my memory, uh, we've had like the Cockatrice, and we've had... Beast of Bodmin, Mogwa. Cruel Copy himself. Like, I think... We've had so much, but oh, yeah. too much to talk about in one episode. So uh, today I'm going to be learning some stuff. So yeah, I went with the ones that were just so batshit insane and weird <laughs> that I really wanted to somehow shoehorn them into the podcast itself, but <laughs> figured it might go slightly off the wall if I tried. Um, so what we'll do is first we're going to have a little bit of a talk about King Lud. I'm excited to learn some new things, and I have no idea what to expect. So, Jim, tell me about our lad, Lud. Our lad, Lud. Um, so, King Lud was one of the very early kings of Britain, and was actually, from all intents and purposes, and from all reports, very good at his job, which is... Nice to hear. ...rare for a British monarch. And uh, one of his most famous things was rebuilding London, after it kind of got trashed. But as well as building it, he protected it from the three weirdest plagues of London I've ever heard of. So, first question, Jazz. If London was getting affected by weird plagues, what would you think they were? I mean, I'm assuming it's not just going to be the plague. No. That's a bit too easy. Is it like, like a plague of moths or some shit like that? No, no, because that would be like way too sensible. Um, I don't know, a plague of lesbianism? What about, for the first one, a race of magic dwarves? What? Is this just, like, real cultural insensitivity? No, 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 no. This is the Korean, Korean, 
um, who were a race of magical dwarves that had the power to hear anything that the wind touched. Now, now, Jim, you say they were a race of magic dwarves. Um, I'm assuming they didn't actually exist. Um, well, as with most folklore, probably throughout history, what exactly existed might have got a bit twisted. But <laughs> according to, um, what's the book called? Uh, the Mabingion, um, which is one of the early histories of Great Britain, there indeed existed a race of dwarfs called the Corinians. What did these dwarves do? They had their magical power was literally anything that was said anywhere in Great Britain, as long as it was windy and like the, the wind or the air <laughs> touched it, um, they could hear it, meaning they could be utter dicks and not be attacked or unprepared. <laughs> I swear, even like on a non windy day, there's still a breeze. <laughs> oh, yeah. So they basically knew everything that was going on. That's way too OP. Oh, yeah. <laughs> second curse. Or oh, second. Oh. Second plague. Okay. Um, well, now I know that we're on the line of magical dwarves that can hear everything. Was it a plague of lizards with five eyes that could see into the future, past, present, and you <laughs> everything were in between? You were technically right, almost, with lizards. Oh, uh, we will go on to this a bit later. But the second plague was during the eve of May Day. Um, an unholy, loud, terrifying shriek was heard throughout the land. It was so awful and terrifying that people um, would turn pale, maidens lost their reason, animals and trees and earth would become barren, and people would miscarriage. Um, I <laughs> Just a shriek across the entire country. A shriek, and it didn't stop there. It kept going on and kept screwing everything up. How long did this shriek go on for? So, that it was a singular shriek. Right. Once a year on the eve of May Day. So, just like one scream. One really big, terrifying scream. That just caused a load of... Crap to happen. Okay. I have a question, but mm. I'm going to wait till after you've told me what the third batshit plague is before I ask it. The, the third one I just love. It was called the Theft of Provisions. Explain to me how this is a plague. I, I think I think the um, the Magunion well, this hell this was sort of a bit loose and free with the theory of the word plague. It was and more it's just something that was plaguing people. Yeah. So basically, what was happening was a lot of stuff was disappearing from the king's royal court um, <laughs> every day, and the next morning, yeah, it wasn't there. I they it, just had a thief. Yeah. <laughs> I think in the the, the level of plagues, um, probably... Well, they hadn't had quite the plague, plague yeah. yet, so... They... And especially compared to the other two, fairly low down. Yeah. Um, okay, well, this leads on to my question. How on earth did King Lud actively protect London from these plagues? Uh, with a little help from his friends. Or in this case, actually, his brother. He has a brother. His, um, I imagine if um, Delilah was here today, she might have known him or know his history because he was French. Oh. So basically, King Lud's brother ended up marrying um, one of the princesses of France at the time. When her father died, he became King of France. Or, back in the day, Gaul. He was well known for being a bit of a smarty pants. Damn, so wait. Delilah might actually be, like, related to King Lud. Possibly. 
Though he was a human. Well, although, you know, I've got to say, a smarty pants, we already, you know, there's some familial traits there. Yeah. <laughs> was he also obnoxious and materialistic? No, actually, he was supposed to be dead lovely. Oh, like, not like Delilah at all no. then. <laughs> Sorry, Ella. We love you. So, of course, trying to plan a massive trip to France when you have magical gnomes, little dwarfs that can hear everything, can get fairly difficult. Of course, you know. So, they had a cunning plan. We don't talk about it at all. We get all the princes, the nobles, the wise men, we'll round them up. Right. We don't talk. We don't charade, because that's really inefficient. We will just write everything on paper, because we don't think they can tell... What scribbly scratchy writing sounds? Okay, I... how <laughs> how did they come up with this plan to write everything on paper? Because there must have been a conversation at some point, right? Uh, yeah. Well, it, I Although think... I suppose unless somebody wrote on a piece of paper like, hey, I bet the magic dwarves can't oh. read this. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or you just had one lucky person who was really good at like charades. Damn, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they ended up deciding, yeah, we'll write everything down and we'll have a chat to um, Lud's brother, who was called Lavellis, um, because he was the most wise and trustworthy person they knew. Um, so after deciding that, they didn't speak and yeah, wrote everything down. And somehow, especially in a place that probably wasn't high in literacy, managed to get this to work. <laughs> I mean, you know, you've got to admit, the whole dwarves only hearing air thing can be quite easily disproved. If there is someone who's just passing on information, mm. if, you know, there's just a mole in the palace, I suppose that kind of like, they can't keep going off the magic dwarves mm. thing forever. So, <laughs> Don't worry. Like, they, I suppose there's one guy that came up with it and went, oh, do you know, all. Oh, must be their magic, magic dwarves. Oh, haven't you heard? You know, they're magic dwarves that can hear Oh, everything. no, no. I think there are actual sightings of magic dwarves. So <laughs> they were no. It wasn't like some bloke was like, oh, yeah, definitely magic dwarves. It was, oh, it's those gits over there. Oh, God. So they do the genius thing of because they can't tell anyone they're going to France, they don't tell the French and arrive <laughs> with like an armada. Writing everything down. Send a letter saying there's magic dwarves. Don't read any of this out loud. But by the way, we're coming to visit. You know, just show up unannounced with an armada. And so, guess what the French did? Oh, let me guess. Did they take that as a sign of war and attack the armada? No, no, no. Fortunately, they only sent out their own armada. And it turns out that I imagine Lavellis has fairly good eyesight. Because <laughs> before any shit went down, he noticed that his brother Lud was on one of those boats. I mean, maybe there's a flag. Probably. So, fortunately, um, they notice the brother, Loelis, yeah, Lovellis, sends the rest of the armada back, and him and his brother have a nice chat, embrace, and it's all funky dory. But, oh, but wait, did they have a chat though? Yes. Oh no! Because you know who you, who can hear your chats. But you know how they got around that? How? How would you stop a dwarf hearing your voice if it couldn't be touched by the wind? I go into the vacuums of space? I don't know. No, 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 because that would be actually way more fun. <laughs> um, Lavellis ordered the making of a long breast tube 
Yes. So the idea was one person talks into the tube, the other one shoves <laughs> it against their ear. Is this basically just like the origins of the tin can on a string? This is the lower tech version of a tin can on a string. <laughs> Though, the tin can on a string probably wouldn't do what it did next. Oh, no. Because it turns out that whoever the hell made a long brass tube was a bit shit at their job. It's just an empty tube. No, no, no. It was an empty tube possessed by a demon. <laughs> and so, basically what would happen is every Sorry. time someone took down the tube, it would slander and diss them and make them sound angry and hateful. I... I... Um... I... I'm speechless. What... Was it just like... Could Lud just not deal with the fact that his brother was just going into this tube and being like, hey, Lud, you're a little bitch. But no, no, no. Was it just a brotherly prank? I, I don't know. I, I don't know, but the way they solved it sounds really sensible. Well, every all of their solutions so far have been so sensible, so... So, the way they solved this was they washed it with wine, and the goodness of the wine caused the demon to flee. I, <laughs> I I just love the fact that it was the goodness. I don't know if this is either it's like blessed communion wine. Or if it's just like good wine. Especially being the French, it was probably mighty fine wine. It's true. It's very true. And you know what? Like, the French are proud enough of their wine, especially back then would have been proud enough of their wine to be like, oh, yes, our wine, it, oh, yes, it gets rid of all demons. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Just wash a bit of the wine, the demons, they go away. <laughs> I said the fact that it was just... Uh, a wine, it is too good. It was just Llewellyn wanting to show off the goodness. Like, it's like, yeah, we do better booze than you. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to punk you and talk <laughs> shit down this tube to you. Oh, and then... oh, must be a demon. Oh, no. Lud. Was it just a big prank on Lud? Like, oh, Lud, you know. Maybe uh, Lud had made a comment in passing at some point about, like... I just have the fact they probably invented the beer bomb. If you're pouring a large amount of wine down a tube that someone had their mouth against. Was there, I mean, <laughs> wait, was the wine actually going, they didn't just wash out the tube with wine. Was this like whilst the messages were being sent? I don't quite know. No one ever, I couldn't find any details on that. So I'm hoping that it was, they basically um, beer bonged this demon out. And he got so <laughs> grossed out by the concept of the beer bong that he pegged it. Yeah, that. do you know what? That'd be fair. So, now that they could talk, they came up with an even more cunning plan. Oh, God. Guess what Corinians really don't like? I... Young adult literature? How did you... know? <laughs> Insect juice. Insect juice. Insect juice. Um, <laughs> basically, what happened was uh, Lavellis taught his brother how to turn a certain type of insect into some sort of, like, liquidy water goop. Right. That, if um, thrown over the Corinians, would destroy them, but not, like, the native Bretons. So, did people just throw insect juice on... Dwarves, yeah. But don't worry, they had a cunning plan for backup. If that wasn't enough insects... Um, he was, uh, Lord was also taught how to breed more insects. Oh, well, you know, was he just like a king with his own little ant farm? Yeah. 
Oh. What kind of insect was it? Does it say? They don't go into that detail, like, especially because... Uh... They don't... See, this is the thing. The knowledge is too powerful. Mm. They don't want us to know. Now, the governments, they're all run by all of these books, you know. They've been looked over by the dwar- magic dwarves. By the Damn Koreans. you, magic dwarves. And, and, you know, the Koreans are <laughs> editing history so that we can't find out how to destroy them. So, once he worked that out, he went back to Britain with insect juice, rounded up all the Koreans, and somehow, just as, I don't know if it was like a, a group, actually no, it wouldn't even be a chat, you could very easily get everyone to hear, because they had magic wind hearing abilities. Of course. Yelled out, yeah, everyone come to London, I'm definitely not going to kill you with magical insect juice. They came, he covered them in magical insect juice, and they were no more. Did, I'm, I'm really trying to picture because i know this is based in folklore i'm really trying to picture the reality of this situation you know they're like the king rounding up a load of people with dwarfism Mm. i assume and threw insect juice on them and then they all died well the 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 official term was destroyed they were destroyed they were no maybe it was destroyed in like Bro, you got owned. You got destroyed. There was the, the the emotional scarring of being covered by insect juice, and they all just fled in like shame. Yeah, yeah, especially by your king as well. For um, wow, terrible. <laughs> so, um, going on to the next one. Um, remember we were talking about what you thought might be screaming lizards. Oh yeah. Technically, screaming lizards. So, well, I was going for lizards that can see into. Past, present, future, oh. and every... But screaming lizards sounds more... It almost sounds normal. Not a scream that would... Don't worry, <laughs> this is... an entire nation once a year. Don't but... worry, this is far from normal. Because okay, it's you. folklore. So, um, somehow, Lavellis knew what this scream was coming from. God, Lavellis has got all the answers, I, I don't he? know if he's just like Wikipedia, is... but... Is he honestly just, like, punking his brother mm. real hard with all of his, like, oh, that? Oh, uh, yeah. Just, I know all about that. Let me... It's screaming lizards. This was a pair of fighting dragons. 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 Nice. Always love a dragon. So, if you had a pair of dragons fighting in your realm, causing... Terrifying creatures that injure main people. Literally just once a year. Yeah, how how would you solve this? Well, you know you'd slay the dragon, probably, or at least one of them. Oh, where's the fun in that? Would you, like, steal its voice? No. Oh, strike a bargain with the dragons? You'd get it shit-faced. Do you know what? That should have been my first guess, and I'm sorry that it wasn't. So, um, this is where it gets weird uh, again. So their their cunning plan was, go to the centre of Britain, which is where these dragons would be, for, I assume, maximum spreading of terrifying screech noise. Obviously. Only makes sense. Um, Dig a really deep pit. Right. Fill it with mead. (laughs) For those who don't know, this is an alcohol made from fermenting honey. It's delicious. So good. Um... I have a little potion flask of mead for when I'm DMing. Oh, I need to do that. Yeah, you do. Um, and then what you're going to do is um, cover this big pit. Oh, the uh, actually the, 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 the 
the the mead is next to the pit, not in the pit, because you then cover the pit in a cloth. The um the dragons will then drink the mead when they arrive for their yearly scrap. Are they just doing like a big trough of mead? Is it just like trough is very fitting because <laughs> when I said this gets weird. Okay. Three. So basically what happens is they drink the big jug of mead, or the trough, as I'm a probably, oh no, officially a cauldron, but a trough does seem more fitting. cauldron of mead. cauldron of mead. Because big dragons, big would, amount of booze. I was going to say, yeah, I would even say probably more than a cauldron. I would probably give a dragon a pit full of mead, but, you know, two pits is a bit hmm. over. So, what do you think happens when dragons drink mead and then fight? They, they fall into pits? But why do they fall into pits? If you have an animal that can fly, why would it then not be able to fly? Is it too drunk to fly? Is no, it over the limit? Of course, no, because that would be sensible. <laughs> I I just, I can't imagine. They would turn into pigs. So if you get a dragon drunk, it turns into a pig? It turns into a pig, falls down the sky, falls into the pit. I So it... Gets wasted, starts to fight in the air, yep. they both start to fight, and then whilst they're in the air, they both turn into pigs and fall into the conveniently placed pit immediately underneath them. Yes. Right. And then, so you've now got a pair of easy-to-kill pigs that are now so drunk that they've fallen asleep. What do we do with them? Kill them? No. No? We go literal pig in blankets... Wrap them in blankets. Right. But these are the strongest sheets known. Ah, so um, when they turn back into dragons, they will be restrained. Then we put them in a big stone casket and we bury them. Right. And then their idea was, right, we buried them. No more dragon problems. Just kill the pigs. But no, because then we wouldn't have got this cool next bit. Oh, jeez. Um, we're going slightly off. Um, so we have two... Pigs wrapped in blankets that have turned back into dragons, locked in a stone casket, buried underground. We're now going to jump. We're going to have a bit of attention here, jumping a few hundred years into the future. We're going to now have a look at the Historia Britonium. Oh no, Jesus. How are they going to cope with these dragons without King Lud to protect them? Because they get stupider. Um, A genius guy called King King Vortigan... Tries to build a castle on top of where the dragons were buried. Bad move, man. Um, every night, the castle walls and foundations were demolished. And so it was not a, I know, let's maybe build this somewhere else. Sadly, he gets in touch with slightly less wise advisors than King Lud did. And went for the, let's find a boy with no natural father. Right. So basically like Anakin Skywalker from Star Wars. Yep. And sacrifice him. Oh, fun. I love when they turn to sacrifice. But do you know what happens normally when you find someone like that who's born in a weird way without like a natural father? Much like Anakin Skywalker, it turns out. Oh. They're magic Magic? and powerful. Who do you think this is going to be? Oh, I really want to have the answer. Famous wizard in England that's not Harry Potter. Merlin? It is thought to be Merlin. (laughs) So, oh my goodness. Wow. Okay. So, hmm. King Lud buries these dragons. Then hundreds of years later, somebody tries to build a castle over it. 
and then decides to try and sacrifice the one and only Merlin. But, but before he was before famous. He was, before he was known as Merlin, you know, they knew him before he was cool. Um, and it turns out that the one little orphan boy that you're sacrificing is, of course, the most powerful wizard in history. Yep. Yeah. But don't worry, his, his powers were manifesting even at this young age. Because when he found out he was put to death, he had a dream. Ooh. That there were indeed dragons underneath the castle. This is just sounding more and more like the plot of Merlin. This is probably where the plot of Merlin came from. Oh, uh, was one of the dragons John Hurt? No, but one of the dragons represented Wales and was red. Ah. The other represented England and was white. Ah. Um, no, I've heard that story. So, basically what happened was um, he frees them both with the, with the help of the king. They duke it out one last time. There's no reference if there was a giant amount of screaming, but the Welsh one wins. Nice. That is also why the Welsh flag has a red dragon on. Damn. So, in the end, did the screaming... Did the screaming stop so, when they oh buried yeah. the dragons? They buried the dragons, screaming stopped... They kind of woke up when some idiot decided to build on top of them. Right. But the screaming didn't come back. No. I think they were a bit busy. I think they probably unburied them on the day they didn't scream. Ah, the things people will do to get out of being sacrificed, eh? Yep. (laughs) Okay, so that's stupid plague one and two. Um... How about, how did Kingwood protect London from what was essentially just... A, a, a thief. So, how King Lud protected from a dude. <laughs> Say, for example, you know that you have some sort of probably magical man coming into your house at night and stealing your stuff. How do you stay awake? Um, coffee. What? Uh, well, I suppose I didn't really have TV back then. Um, just doing lots of exercise, slapping yourself around the face a bit. We're getting closer. Oh, um... Slapping other people around the face a bit? Boning? Yeah, no. <laughs> Giant cauldron of water. They really like cauldrons in this um Yeah. Stuff. So, um, everyone was kind of chilling out in the castle one night. Um, but at the same time, they all felt sleepy. Ooh. Lord, in his infinite wisdom, went instantly for his cauldron of water and began to splash his face, which woke him up. I mean, yeah, that does that. Um, fortunately, when he woke up, he saw there was a giant clad in armour carrying a sword. Okay. This giant went around stealing shit as magical sleepy giants do. Yeah, yeah, obviously. And in traditional Geshper style, King's Lord decided the only way to stop this was big old fight. Fight, yes. Man after my own heart. Lord, you lad. Though, he didn't go quite full on Geshper's. Lud won because he was amazing. Obviously, um, and wrote the story, probably. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but granted mercy at the end. Ah. And then, in uh, return for granting mercy, got himself a magical giant sidekick. Was this magical giant sidekick someone whose skull we have perhaps encountered? No, because this... No. Because that would be, like, sensible. This gets <laughs> even stupider. Oh, oh, no. Goodness. Okay, well, if this wasn't Bran, then who was Lud's new best giant mate? Um, He was just a new giant mate. 
the the they don't there's not really huge amount about it other than yeah he was faithful and friendly till the end of his days he was the mighty man of magic oh lud found himself a bfg he found himself a hagrid oh cute but i think we do need a break from this insanity yeah we'll take a little break and head back in a moment to learn a little bit more about our other giant best friend jim the dm yeah, more or less. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Jazz and Jim's Fantasy Folkloric Funhouse. Funhouse. That's the badger. Uh, <laughs> well, I hope you're enjoying uh, hearing the stories so far uh, about our lad Lud, and it's so much fun to be able to explore this side of the the um, adventure kind of separately. So we hope you're enjoying it as much as we are. Um, if you want to talk to us about how much you're enjoying it, you can reach out to us on social media. Uh, Jim, where can they tweet at us? Um, they can tweet us on Twitter. Yeah. On the <laughs> MS Adventurers or the Misadventurers. So yeah, we're at Misadventurers on Twitter. Um, or you could send us an email. At the Misadventurers Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, or you can also keep up with us uh through Instagram, Tumblr, or Facebook, which are all the Misadventurers Podcast. Um and if they want to get us on Bebo or MySpace, what about Google Plus? Ah, oh, well, do you know if it's on MySpace, yeah, we're also, we're on FetLife at the Misadventurers. <laughs> we're not. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, please just reach out to us. Let us know what you're thinking, how you're enjoying it. Uh, we always love hearing from you. And you could end up being a cool named NPC in one of the episodes. Um, we don't have a whole lot to say. We've got a few cool things coming up. We're taking this break for this week, but we'll be back to the normal misadventure in two weeks' time. Um, and also we'll soon be releasing a, the, we've been talking about it for a little while, but the crossover, uh, switch series episode with how friends roll and advantage, uh, that should be coming out at the end of how friends roll arc in, uh, about two or three weeks. So yeah, keep an eye out on the how friends roll feed. I mean, if you're not listening to them, listening to them already, do that and advantage, both wonderful podcasts. Um, and if you have, podcasts that you really think that we should be listening to tweet us let us know we love making more links in the community and we love finding more creators and please recommend me more folklore podcasts i listen to way too many already um five minute folklore and feminist folklore are two i love and would very much recommend if there's more you know please tell me uh and with that i think there's enough shenanigans in this episode already so you don't need any more from us uh, so we'll let you get back to the Myth Adventurers. <laughs> I'm enjoying that pun way too much. And we're back. Okay, ready for some more nonsense? It's not nonsense, it's... Yeah, it's nonsense. <laughs> Don't worry, if you think this that was nonsense, we get slightly weirder. Oh, boy. So, Jim, 
Tell me about our brand. So, brand, um, also known as Brand Help Lear. God, I can I, I do apologise. This next one is a lot of Celtic and Irish names, so my pronunciations are going to be terrible. I'm sorry, how's that spelled? Um, L-L-Y-R. Bran Lear. Lear. Um, he was um, the Welsh, one of the Welsh kings of Britain. Um, very popular and a giant. I mean, I, I imagine you'd be popular <laughs> if you were a giant. Oh, yeah. So, and king. Hmm. That's just two big old forms of power there. And technically, a, I think, technically a god or demigod. Bearing in mind, his dad was Lear, um, who was god of the sea. Damn. Bran had a lot going on for oh, him. Oh, yeah. Some interesting um, family lineage. So, um, oh, Bran is Celtic for raven, which we'll go back to a bit later and see why. Oh, we know about ravens. ravens yeah. <laughs> um, so, a bit of... Jerry Springer-esque familying for the moment. Um, we have a couple of characters we need to introduce you to. Oh, Jesus. Bran had a sister right. called Branwen. Really imaginative naming. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Their parents. <laughs> he also had um, a brother. I am going to attempt to pronounce this. Um, Manawidian. Manawidian. Can I, can I try? You can attempt to read my handwriting. Oh, boy. Um... Manowidian, we'll call him. Ah, uh, Manowidian. Yeah. Ma- Manowidian sounds about right. So we've got Bran, Branwen, and Manowidian. Mm-hmm. You also had um, a couple of half-brothers, but the one that's interesting in this story is Unician. Unician. So, basically, the, um, the story starts on a sunny day. Um, Bran and his brother Manowidian were chillaxing, maxing, relaxing all cool. On the um, the coast of England. Was when, Bran already king at this point? This is when he was king, yeah. So they saw a, um, a fleet of 13 ships sailing towards them. From Ireland towards Wales. But, don't worry, this is another one of... Everyone in folklore has incredible eyesight. I can imagine. Well, I suppose mm. giants... Giant. Big eyes. Giant peepers. Big old peepers. Because he had noticed that the Irish king, Mathalwich, had his shield upside down. Which oh. was a sign of peace. Interesting. Okay. In the most pimpass um, amount of uh, introduction, he had basically done this to ask for his uh, brand sister Brenwyn's hand in marriage. Ooh. He's making one grand ass entrance. He likes a big girl. Yeah. Is what he likes. Because yeah, um, fair enough, man. I I imagine this was more. I'm not sure he liked a big girl, or this was more that sort of time in history when you married royal families together. To cement political power. I mean, hey, you know, giant princess, you know what that means? Giant titties. Giant socks. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll, I'll stop now. <laughs> Carry on. So, wait, sorry. What was this Irish king's name again? Um, Mathelwich. So, Mathelwich was coming to ask for Branwyn's hand in marriage. marriage. He had a, cha- a fleet of ships. In a fleet of 13 ships, yeah. It worked. I so, bet it did. Mm, so... They um, ended up getting married off um, Anglesey. How lovely. For those who don't know, it's a little island off the coast of Wales. I used to holiday there as a kid, and it is lovely. Aww. Um, But, of course, this didn't happen in a a church or any form of building. Well, she's a giant, you know. Yeah, so they ended up building a tent. (laughs) Big old wedding tent. Fair enough. Unfortunately, about this time... um, Bran's half-brother came home, so this is Enwissian, and had a bit of a cob on. 
um, that he hadn't been included in marrying off his half-sister. Okay. So wait, they didn't invite Enwissy into the wedding? That's no. so rude. I, I don't know if we're going for... I, I don't know if he was annoyed by he wasn't involved in the planning of this, or he just had a bit of a hissy fit and went full on. It's in uh, Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. Yeah, the the the, the um the evil queen um, has a big hissy fit. They, Maleficent. Maleficent. <laughs> he basically goes almost Maleficent-y. Except I assume he doesn't turn into a dragon. Sadly not. He um, oh, I wouldn't be surprised no. at this point. So, in a fit of annoyance, he um wanders over to the stables, which contains um the ho- uh, a, a herd of beautiful horses that Bran had given Maffelwitch as a wedding present. Right. Um, and slew them all. I... What did the poor horses ever do to you, man? Nothing, but he... Yeah, he was well known for his fiery temper. Yeah, sounds fucking like it. Didn't go down well. I can imagine. So, um, Bran, attempting to patch up the relationship between Ireland and Wales, was like, okay, okay, we don't have any more horses. Here's a load of silver and a load of gold. Please forgive us. We can't kill him off. We're not going to kill FNS enough because he's my brother. Oh, technically my half-brother. And that's a bit of a faux pas. Wasn't enough. Are they or- Are they already married? So, they're already married, but... Um, so, like... He was just going to leave Branwyn in, uh, in Wales and probably, like, declare war or something. Oh, jeez. So, Bran... Men and their fragile egos, I swear, you slay all their horses, they're ready to go to war. To be fair, if there's ever a war that was worth fighting, it's a war over horses. But no, no, no. Um, he came up with a solution. He gave, he offered his like most prized possession. What, what what has come up a stupid amount of times in this podcast today? I know, we've literally just... Wait, alcohol? Cauldron. Cauldron? He offered him a cauldron. Not a cauldron full of something. No, 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 no. Just his favourite cauldron. Um, what would this cauldron do? Uh, was it a magic cauldron? Of course. Of course. Um, and would it transport you to magical places via... Would it make anything that went into the cauldron alcoholic? It would make anything that went into the cauldron come out alive. Oh! It was the cauldron of rebirth. Interesting. Okay. Though, this is basically the cauldron that was used to bring Voldemort back to life. Mm, kind of, but it was a bit shit in comparison. Um, they would be deaf. Right. Well, but, they obviously didn't mm, have all the other parts mm, of the potion. They didn't have the hand and, you know, the blood of the enemy. All of that bullshit. They'd, that, they'd be uh, mute. Right. And they'd want to fight. Man, this sounds dope. Like, at least it's not blind but you know you come back and i think it was more as a tool of making sure you had enough warriors in a fight yeah i suppose yeah it's less dope and more just like zombies i guess mm. so that kind of worked Malthwitch and branwyn went back to ireland and it was all nice uh they had a kid called Gwern. nice um <laughs> uh, sadly as with all folklore and most stories, happiness didn't last. I bet. The Irish nobles started to diss everyone and bitch, especially to Malthwitch, um, saying that Branwen was a foreign queen and therefore no one liked her, and also was staring shit about Ephrison's crime of killing horses. So, uh, Malthwitch decided to fuck shit up. He um, sent the son Gwern 
off away to be fostered, fortunately by a nice family. Um, but then Bra uh, banished Branwen to the kitchens far below the palace. Oh my god, Mapplewitch, you're such a bastard man. Treated her like crap, made her into basically a slave. Jesus. Um, and she got... Please tell me Bran beats this guy to shit. It gets, yeah, don't worry. Um, and was constantly slapped by the head chef. Delightful. Um, but don't worry, we go further and further into the world of Disney... She not a giant? Can she, she not just crush him? I, you'd think that, but... Well, I suppose she is, like, away from home mm. with literally no allies, but... Yeah. But no, 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 don't worry. She made an ally Ooh. in the most Disney way possible. Was it a talking animal? It was a talking bird. Amazing! He, she befriended an injured starling and kept it as a pet. Then, because this is how it always works, taught it to speak. Okay, you realise Gashburz is now going to try and teach her new pet seagull to speak. <laughs> you put this idea in my brain, you are the only one responsible for Okey it. Okie Um <laughs> did, this, this, did this bird have a name? No, just bird. Just cute talking pal. Yeah. We, should we name it? I like Jeremy. So, um, she then sends Jeremy back to um, Wales... Because a starling can obviously make the flight over the ocean. Obviously. But the Irish Sea, not really an ocean. But, um, and sends it to Bran, who um, is then informed about his sister's not great living conditions. Yeah. And then does as all kings do. Summons an army. Of course. Sail to Ireland. Fuck shit up. Try to fuck shit up. Man, it must be really annoying to try and go to war against somebody who you've given a cauldron of rebirth to. <laughs> do, you, do you know the only slight problem with trying to get um, Bran across the um, a sea in a boat? He's a giant. Doesn't fit. Well, they got Bran went across, didn't they? Yeah. But do you know how they got Bran across this time? How? He walked. <laughs> he, just, he, walked. he just walked. How... Big of a giant is he, or did he? Could, could he walk along like the sea floor? I think. I think. Did he swim? I, from what I can tell, he just, he just says he walked. I don't know if he was tall enough to stand above the waterline, or this is like some sort of bizarre drought year. <laughs> like you just see a boat, and then next to it, just Hello. like the very top of like you know, just eyes poking out the water, like whoop whoop. They did a slight problem when they got to Ireland. There was the River Liffey, which was a bit difficult to cross. How did they get across? Did Bran just walk across? Mm. Bran was used as a bridge. <laughs> Surely he could just pick people up and put them down. Does he have to be used as a bridge? I, I think it was the symbolic of carrying his army on his back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I like to interpret that as everybody climbed up and he just gave one mass piggyback across. <laughs> um, unsurprisingly, when um, Malowicz discovered this was happening, he shot a brick. Yeah. And was like, okay, I've got a cunning plan. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of cunning plans mm. in this. Baldrick would be proud. We're, we're going to have a meal. We'll, we'll build you a great feasting hall that's big enough for you to fit in for a change. Is this going to be some kind of like Trojan horse shit where it's like, yes, come to this lovely big meal, then we'll shut the door on you and murder you. For, for those who can't see, because this is a audio thing, I did nod. And grin. And grin. So, this is where accounts get slightly weird. Um, there's two separate accounts, but I like the other this one of these because it gets funny. Um, when when this great meal hall was built, Ethanwin, 
Ethelson, oh god. Uh, yeah, Ethelson, who was the brother who attacked the horses, went in, to, uh, went in first. He noticed across, um, along all the, the, like, the walls, there were hanging bags. Being naturally curious, he was asking, what the hell's in these bags? What was in these bags was... Bees! Soldiers! Oh. Ready to strike and kill everyone. How big were these bags? <laughs> big enough, I assume, to fit a person in. <laughs> was it like one soldier per bag? Or was it like... Just a big old bag, bag of, of people. people. <laughs> um, but Mathelwitch was like... That must have been really uncomfortable to like set up and wait. Don't worry, it gets less comfortable. Oh. Um, Mathelwitch was like, oh, no, 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 that's flour. We, for some strange reason, keep our flour dangling off the ceiling. Right, yeah, sure. So, uh, Ethel uh, Ethelson was like, okay, if this is flour, squidge, squidge, squidge. Basically walked along the entire way. Squidging all these bags between his fingers. Did he just squeeze and, like, pop everyone inside the bags? <laughs> squeeze and pop what they think account uh, uh, state was about 100 soldiers. Jesus Christ. Just, like, you'd think at some point it'd be like, he'd be like, well, that's blood all over my fingers. Don't think that one was I, I think he knew and was kind of just calling Mathelwitch's blood. Like, what, what, what about this next one, Mathelwitch? Yeah, yeah, that one's flour too. You don't need... You don't it's, need to, it's organic. I promise, I promise. That's why it's red. That one, that one might have been a soldier, but all the rest are flour. Promise. So, sack of people dealt with. Everyone starts to have um, some food. And <laughs> after all of that, after they killed all of the clearly, like, just soldiers there ready to kill everyone, they were like, well... Now that we've dealt with that, let's sit down and eat food because we still 100% trust you. So they sat down, negotiated a peace treaty. It was all good until a certain brother who has an incredibly bad temper tantrum, again, has a bit of a cub on because Gwern wouldn't wouldn't talk to him. So Gwern being uh, The the son. So the son was brought back from being fostered for this meal. Yeah. What do you think he did next? Please tell me he didn't kill his nephew chucked his nephew in a fire ice and he was burnt alive oh yeah because that's really great for international relations like <laughs> also just like imagine the next family christmas jesus christ you go there to save your sister and then you kill her son yep so guess what happened next after theoretical regicide i, I can guess that Mathelwich probably wasn't best pleased no Strange enough, what was Branwen, I assume? Strange enough, when you kill a king's son, he kind of wants revenge. By basically starting a war in um, the banquet hall. Right. Well, know, I mean, a, lo- a hundred of his soldiers have already died, so... But soldiers may have died... a conveniently placed cauldron? Oh yeah, he has a conveniently placed cauldron of magical rebirth. So he didn't really have a problem about getting soldiers. Even though Bran, and, uh, Bran was on the side of a literal pair of giants, he was losing because he was against a magical army of immortality. That really, he is responsible for. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, there is a bit of redemption. Everson, the brother, was like, oh, shit, I done goofed. Yeah. And I've just realised how daft this is. He hid among the, um, this literal giant, the brother, who could squeeze people's head between his fingers. Mm-hmm. Lay, beneath, lay amongst the dead bodies of the Irish warriors, playing dead, 
I think you'd have noticed a giant among some Irishmen. Yeah. And was thrown into the cauldron. I... <laughs> they somehow lifted this giant and put him in. And they were like, oh yeah, this is another one of ours. Let's chuck him in this cauldron. Which is now somehow Which big enough to... Like... Big enough to fit a giant into. Also, he's not dead, so what's Precisely. Magical cauldrons of rebirth don't like living things in them. Did it kill him? It killed him, but at the same time, exploded. Ah, so no more magical... Well, I suppose after all of the fucking trouble he put them through, the least he could do was give his life to end the war. It was a bit of a Pyrrhic victory. Uh, basically, everyone dies. Um, like everyone? All that was left were seven warriors from the Welsh side. So the king died. Uh, like Bran died? No, no, no. Oh, so the survivors. Okay. okay, go through the survivors. Bran. Right. Branwyn. Good. Seven Welsh soldiers. And none of, no one on the Irish side? Nope. <laughs> Sadly, Bran didn't last that long. Oh, no. He was hit by a poison, a poison spear thrown by an Irishman. Guess what they did next? Um, oh, you told us about this. Did Bran, like, let himself be killed so that he wouldn't die a slow, painful death? Because Gashburz doesn't respect <laughs> that. They chopped off his head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you also, you've definitely told us that bit before. Um, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so they chop off his head, and this is before he died. He told them, "Yeah, bury this in London on the White Mount, which is um, where the Tower of London now is. Bury me facing France. Interesting. And I will scare them away with my magical powers." Ah, so this is the whole. Well, I mean, the skull of Bran then being brought to France—it's hmm. that kind of. Feels a bit reductive, doesn't it? Yeah. To be like... <laughs> so it's getting closer to you. You know what? They'll sell it. They, they sell it to Gaul. And then, you know, Delilah's brother opens it up and it's just... Ah! I'm just imagining... And all the French just run away, <laughs> clear out the entirety of France from somebody else. So Branwyn and the soldiers take the skull back. Mm-hmm. Branwyn didn't take it well. Unsurprisingly, when you lose your husband... Two of your brothers and your son, um, she committed suicide. R.I.P. Yeah. Probably doesn't sound like she was in the best place mentally to be ruling a kingdom. No. Oh my God, I forgot how stupid this is. Oh no. Uh, And I quote, Bran's head possessed the ability to speak and was good company during the long trip to London. Oh yes, I think I have. I mean, like, was it like Bran's head could speak? Or was it like Bran was decapitated but still alive? I'm hoping it was the la- latter. Yeah. Just this beheaded talking giant head. But they, they're basically, from what they believed, was it was actually his immortal soul was trapped within the head. Right. And yes. they could communicate with it. And it was his soul that was protecting Albion from the French. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was. Yeah, it was basically. That's it. He ended up in London. The the ravens that represented say, him. Yeah. How, um, how do the ravens come into this? Um, also, Bran um, was Celtic for raven. Oh, and yes, yeah, it was thought that they were a symbol of Bran. So that's now where they hang out around the Tower of London. Okay, cool. So when the ravens started dying, it was 
just like Bran's not here to protect us anymore because mm. his spirit is also gone with his skull. Yep. Yeah. Oh, there's the other theory that the less fun one. Uh, yeah, it's the the idea that I think arguably the protective powers of his skull was like symbolically transferred into the ravens, and now it's if the ravens leave rather than some magical skull. Yeah. You can see why I didn't include this story too much in the actual podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, wow. I had no idea it... I had no idea that just, like, it got so ridiculous. Can I ask, do you know, is there, like, a a general time period for when this supposedly happened? Or is it just they, medieval... They think this was actually... About 58 AD. Damn. So, what, 900 and something years ago? No, two... Th- no, God, no. <laughs> 2000, like, almost 2,000 years ago. Yeah. Two, nine hundred. I was like... 1,900. No, I know I'm bad at maths, but... <laughs> Dump this in in post. 1,900 years ago. <laughs> A little while back. <laughs> yeah, I suppose you can't blame them too much then. No. Um... I think what's funniest to me is, like, the parts that remained in folklore, despite what must have been an entire lack of evidence. Yeah. Like, the dragons turning into pigs and then turning back into dragons, and they're supposedly being witnesses of all of this, is uh, quite spectacular. Oh, yeah. It's it's why I love this sort of stuff. You just get to completely ignore any sort of logic and common sense and just roll with it and enjoy it. Absolutely. Man, I feel so well informed now. Oh, thank you very much. And uh, I have a much better appreciation for... Uh, Well, oh, we're going to be going back through Lud's Gate. Oh, yeah. Cool. I can't wait to see what kind of uh, shenanigans we're going to get up to in the next arc and what incredible folklore we're going to find there. Oh, before I forget, um, if people want to read more around the the history and folklore of London, there are two books I binged and they're dead good. Both are available on Amazon. My favourite was the... Oh, I know. Was The Secret Lore of London, edited by John Matthews and Caroline Wise. It's a fantastic in-depth look at some of the major stories of London and covers the history all the way back from Brutus of Troy to almost modern day. The second one I would advise is London Law, The Legends and Traditions of the World's Most Vibrant City by Steve Rowd. I read these cover to cover multiple times while coming up with the London arc, and they are a fantastic read. And there is so much more stuff I would have loved to have gone through from these, but yeah, bear in mind, only two stories took us about an hour. (laughs) Yeah. We would have been here for... Basically, a separate podcast series. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, also, if any of you listeners have pieces of folklore that you find really interesting that you know about, I mean, the likelihood is that Jim has read up on it because the sheer amount of reading about folklore that Jim has been doing is unreal. But uh, if you have uh, something that you find super interesting and think could uh, wreak some havoc with the misadventurers, you should definitely tweet at us. Um, and let Jim know. Should I give them a mild spoiler for what the next arc is? So they know Ooh, what to read up about. We'll go on, a teasy taster. We're going to be going to the land of Mathelwich. Ireland. 
I do have some ideas already, but I am more than happy to hear what you guys think. Uh, I'm very excited to see what Irish folklore has to offer. If what Irish folklore had to offer to today has anything... (laughs) Oh yeah, it gets funny and weird and it's so wonderful. Ah, amazing. Well, I look forward to some more weird and wonderful folklore next time. Uh, We'll be back to our normal uh, shenanigans, exploring good old London town in a fortnight's time. And we look forward to the next time when we can bring you one of these episodes. So for today, this has been... The Myth Adventurers!